Today's guest has done all the right moves over the past eight years, from focused test marketing in the very beginning, to growing Amazon and website sales, to now selling in over 10,000 brick-and-mortar retail stores. And he's a great storyteller that I'm sure you're really going to enjoy. Are you looking for new ways to make your sales grow? You've tried other podcasts, but they don't seem to know. Harvest the growth potential of your product or service as we share stories and strategies that'll make your competitors nervous. Now, here's the host of the Harvest Growth Podcast, John LeClaire. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited to be speaking with Kent Yoshimura today. He's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Neuro, Neuro Gum and Mint. So we'll talk about exactly what their product and product line does, but it's really a cool technology, great product. And they've had a great run of success over the past several years as well. So we're going to dive deep on what's worked, what you know, learnings they've had along the way. This is going to be a great interview you're going to want to pay attention to. But before we dive too deep in, Kent, I want to introduce you. Thanks for joining the show today. Yeah, likewise. I'm uh, stoked to be here. So let's first talk about the product. So what is, we could say gum or mints or both, but what is Neuro Gum and Mints line? What do they do? So we are one of the only companies that innovated on uh, just your standard breath freshening gum and mints to add functional benefits to them so that when people are out and about, we always say we're trying to find that intersection of health and wellness um, and portability. So if instead of taking supplements and pill form and, uh, you know, having to like uh, swallow those down first thing in the morning or drinking coffee or energy drinks that are filled with sugar, why not put better for you ingredients in a format that you're already taking to freshen your breath and enhance your well-being? And how much are you able to deliver? So for us on the listeners like myself or hearing your story, how much quantity of a, of a, of a functional ingredient can you put into a piece of gum, let's say? Yeah. So if you like dive into our backstory a little bit, you know, we're on like iteration 28 of, or rather it took us like 28 iterations of our flagship product, primarily because flavor has to match up with the amount of effective ingredient dosages that you're delivering. And for us, that's why we're very specific in the type of products we create. We don't try to expand into I don't know, like fish oils or something, for example, right? Where the flavor is not going to make sense, but um, rather into the energy and focus space where there's only a specific amount of caffeine that you necessarily need to use alongside the adaptogens that we put into it. Or uh, common clarity where low doses of vitamin D can enhance your mood um, without necessarily being destructive on the enjoyment profile. Yeah, and certainly some of those supplements can add... A negative flavors, right? So caffeine always has a bitterness. You have to mask. Oh, yeah. Like you're saying, there's levels of flavor. You can put in so much to be able to mask it and make it a, a palatable and, and delicious product as well. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about how, how you originally came up with the idea? Yeah. Um, and I would say that's like the hardest part. And I think that's why a lot of people don't do it <laughs> because like the, the amount of flavor iterations that you have to do is pretty psychotic. But um, so Ryan and I are former athletes and actually a lot of people on like within our company are athletes. But when I was training uh, with the judo Olympic team um, out in Japan, the Imperial guards out in Japan and, and judo and then fighting in Thailand, uh, a lot of the products that were available to me, and this is like a decade ago, but um, supplements were not regulated. 
people were taking Red Bull and Monster Red Rockstar as their main source of energy or Adderall, you know, being in the college scene. Um, and I felt that all these available supplements were not necessarily the things that me trying to perform at my highest level would want to put in my body. And through that process, I was studying neuroscience in college, but using the clinical aspects that I was learning in neuroscience and diving into the field of nootropics, I was mixing these supplements in my room and taking them in pill form. And Ryan, who's you know my best friend and co-founder, he was captain of his cross-country and track team, but when he was 19, he got injured in a really bad snowboarding accident that left him paralyzed from the waist down. So I started providing him with these supplements to get him going. And between the two of us, uh, we were on a scuba diving trip. And it's pretty cool because now we're doing a partnership with Patty, but uh, that's launching in a few months. But um, on a scuba diving trip, we had these pills in a little baggie. And we we're like, oh, my God, this is such a bad look. How do we make this more like us where we're traveling all the time? We want to share in this experience of health and wellness. And it became obvious to us that gum and mints was really this category that, you know, no one was really diving into. And although it was going to take a little bit of work, we had the opportunity to change and educate people on, you know, the buccal benefits of gum and mints um, and the way that it absorbs faster, the ability the portable elements, the cold compressed elements, all the things that make it so much better than supplements and um, like a standard, you know, horse pill format. So, yeah. And then we launched and, uh, you know, a lot of things happened. <laughs> sure. And we'll get into that story for sure. Is part of your audience too, obviously what you've described is your, is your core audience, but I know there's a big group out there. One of my daughters included that really can't swallow pills, whether they're horse pills or not. And oh, frankly, yeah. myself, I always like, you know, I, I can't understand why can't you just do it? It seems like, you know, it's one of those muscular things people can't do, but man, some of those big ones, I think nobody can get down. So how is this part of your audience as well? Do you find people that buy this just because it's, it's either they like it better than swallowing pills, or maybe they have trouble swallowing pills as well. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, like speaking of like consumer insights, um, people who take supplements, Definitely, you know, it's the, the highest relevance to them is function and benefit. So after function and benefit, it really goes down this totem pole and like the, the format really doesn't matter to them. But what we're discovering is that people who take gum or people who already chew gum wouldn't want to take our products. So I do think, you know, there's a saying in marketing that you probably know where um, you meet the consumer where they're at. We're meeting the consumer who are already gum chewers and mint chewers where they're at by providing them with a better experience, more so than the person that's already a supplement taker that's taking all these different things and being like, hey, what if you could chew this instead? So I know that doesn't directly answer your question, but uh, it is interesting to see the breakout between like consumer behavior and who's diving into our product. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think to think about you know, the journey of trying to convince people to buy from us, right? It, the easier oh, yeah. we can make that journey, the more, you know, if we if we play on similarities with products they're already using, consuming, et cetera, it makes it an easier journey to come over to our side. So that's a great way of describing that. Yeah. How did you originally launch? So I think it was eight or so years ago. What was your first thing that you did now to get this actually into market? Yeah. What's crazy is... uh so I didn't know anything about business. Um, I did children's branding with the coffee bean and tea leaf. 
So, you know, illustrate a children's book and release their decaffeinated line and then end up working in music. But, and Ryan was working at Hulu at the time, but when we finally, after like a year of doing R and D, getting a product that we were happy with, um, we launched on Indiegogo, which is basically, it's like Indiegogo and Kickstarter were like the two big crowdfunding platforms. And since I was so active on Reddit at the time, especially our new tropics, I posted about it on our new tropics to a group of biohackers and that entire, it was crazy. It became the number one post on that subreddit. And, uh, we reached our goal in like less than three days. Like, yeah, like raised like 20,000 plus dollars in less than three days. And that was, uh, how we got our start. And then after the Indiegogo campaign ended, um, and we got this initial cohort of biohackers, Dr. Oz's team reached out to us. And that just took us completely national, which is pretty wild. I want to let's get to Dr. Oz in a second, but I want to jump back a little bit to talk about that subreddit that you did. I, I think there's so many different ways to do that. It doesn't have to be through that platform necessarily, but it's finding that very specific niche or focused audience for any new product launch like this oh, that yeah. is going to be your your pioneers, right? They're going to love it. They're going to buy it and they're going to talk about it, right? And spread the word. And if you can get that starting point, kind of like light the fire from that point, and then you can spread to mm -hmm. wider audiences and, and wider varieties from there. And that's kind of what you did. So then the next step is Dr. Oz. So let's talk about that. How, how did how did that change the trajectory of your business? Yeah. I mean, to go back to your first statement, um, there's a book called Crossing the Chasm that is absolutely fantastic. It's one of my favorite marketing books, but it does talk exactly about that, right? Where it's like, before you cross the chasm, you have to find the people that are gonna be the evangelists and the early adopters. And then you have to jump into the mainstream and everything changes. And you know, I'm, I'm sure you know this, but like within the brand pyramid, you have your emotional attributes all the way down to your product attributes. And while these people are attracted to the product attributes, when you jump into the phase of the Dr. Raws or the Shark Tank or the Joe Rogans, you know, where we've been like featured on, um, you have to get into the emotional attributes of the product and people believe in it in a much deeper way than just being like, oh, it's another energy and focus product, but it's in gum or mint format. So what happened when we launched on Dr. Oz is entering the national framework of all one, it was the craziest day of my phone number was the customer service line. So the number of phone calls I was getting because we sold out a product and people were just demanding it was absolutely insane. But also realizing that like the group of people that wanted to chew our products expanded out into the biohackers and realizing that, you know, it's not necessarily the nootropic factors that people are interested in, but this energy and focus factor. So how do we continue to refine our project product to provide that you know, not, not necessarily the product attribute, but like that benefit attribute as much as possible. And it changed the trajectory of the company in the sense that we started thinking about supplements as a whole. And how do you look at the medicine cabinet and everything that sits there that you're taking for your mental clarity to get you through your day? And how can we make that more approachable, more portable, more shareable? So that when people go on these platforms like Dr. Oz or, you know, discover us on Joe Rogan or wherever it happens to be, it becomes more of a lifestyle product than just any other supplement brand. So it was, a, uh, I mean, the biggest learning we took from it was 
<laughs> and it's probably because Dr. Oz has an older audience. Um, there was a lot of people that reached out to us saying that the gum stuck to their dentures. And although we were making a hard <laughs> product for college kids, just because, you know, that's what I, I developed it. Um, we realized that our demographic actually skewed a little bit older and uh, in, into this field where it's not kids that want 200 milligrams of caffeine blasted into their face, but people who want like nice sustained energy and not putting something called monster into their body, right? Like something that sounds or like five hour energy, like you're trapped in this jittery energy cycle for five hours. Um, so approaching it from a more scientific and uh, a slightly more sophisticated angle. And to, how about today? Fast forward a little bit. So you've had those great successes in the very early days. What marketing is working right now? Strategies and tactics are really effective for you. Yeah, it's interesting because D2C still remains our biggest channel, although we're in about um, 15,000 like 15, points of retail, like 10,000 retail stores, uh, ranging from like CVS, Meijer, uh, Whole Foods, Erewhon, um, Walmart, and like many others, but Sprouts, Fresh Time. Um, but retail is a totally different game because you have to convince the consumer on like, while they're you know, going and discovering products versus on D2C, it's a search and destroy if you're on a place like Amazon or um, being able to educate them in a, a much longer form format. And one thing we're realizing that is working is breaking, it's going to be a slightly convoluted answer, but looking at it's not like the wild west that was like five years ago where in D2C you could just launch a lookalike campaign on Facebook. And because of like how their data was managed, you could find the best targeting. Now it's become like this broad based game where you have to look at TikTok as uh, TikTok KPIs as more along impressions. What is the CPM format? How much traffic are you actually driving and how are you driving people into an educational funnel? How are you looking at D2C and like building credibility through Instagram and those platforms? How are you leveraging retail to build credibility? And it's really interesting. Like, I feel like the consumer is just a lot smarter um, because they're bombarded by so many things nowadays and you have to be able to capture them. Um, and like I said earlier, you meet them uh, where their needs are. And at the end of the day, marketing is all about relevance. So how do you build relevance in the best way possible? Yeah, well said. And I think the, the credibility side I would add to it, I think is one big difference today versus, you know, five, 10 or more oh years God, ago, yeah. for sure. People, they don't trust a lot. So they want to, they want to verify, right? So they get excited by a marketing message they might see online, but they're going to be able to verify and, and see some credibility. And that's where testimonials can come in and you know, user generated content, really sharing your story um, for sure. When you see if, things like Timu and hmm. Alibaba, like, you know, all these like, or Shane even, like these marketplaces from China that are selling incredibly cheap, low quality products, and they're like saturating the entire marketplace. How do you stand out as a, you know, a quote unquote pre and we're a little difficult because like we're a premium product, but we're still government. So we're kind of cheap, you know, we're not like a supplement that's charging like $150, which is also BS in my opinion. But um, how do you convince people that you are a premium level product that delivers on all of these things that you're saying but you're not necessarily this cheap, like crappy little product that was put together in someone's garage. Yeah, it's it's a fine line to watch, right? Make it 
get a connection with your audience through feeling organic and natural and real, but premium mm-hmm. enough that you've got that credibility that you've got a company behind it, that this isn't coming from overseas, from some company that's not going to exist next month or whatever that you know backs up the, especially ingestibles, right? When you're putting something in your body, oh, yeah. that, that added level of trust is necessary. So one thing, I, as I visit your website, one of the first things I noticed is right away I got an email. So which is awesome, and, and we've uh, we've used this process with with some of our clients over the years. But I'd love to chat about. It. I don't think we've ever talked about this on on the show, but it's one marketing technique just to pay attention to, at least at a high level for our audience. So for example, when when you get a visitor to your website that doesn't enter their email address, they don't start an order. Sometimes you're actually able to still send an email to that person. So most of our listeners have probably had this happen once or twice and you know maybe you recognize like did I leave my email address how they how they do this it doesn't happen a lot it's 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 infrequent enough i think that it's still a viable resource that tends to work generally pretty well it's not over inundating inundating or filling up their inbox but also it's it's that recency so the beauty of yours sometimes we'll get these like a 2 days later a visit a website or whatever Yours, at least for me, in my experience, was almost immediate. So very quick. So now it's top of mind. I visit the website. I'm interested in the product. Boom. I get an email with an offer or information or whatever it might be. It's going to be different, I'm sure, with every every interaction. But can you talk about that a little bit? How is this yeah. approach? And there's a lot of different vendors you can use that you connect to your website and they can track this data and provide uh, the website information or the email information for you. But how has that been beneficial? How has that helped your marketing? If you think about abandoned cart, uh, abandoned cart on checkout and how effective that is. Um, the service that we use is called retention.com, but taking that mentality and psychology of the abandoned cart where someone is already interested in your product, it is relevant to them, but it requires that extra push to get them to the edge to be able to purchase or even try it is, um, a constant tug of war, right? And through this platform, retention.com, or all these other services that do exist, uh, the the beauty of that is like in this integrated network <laughs> that is uh, the web, um, they're able to utilize consumer data uh, when they land on your site and be able to still associate them associate them as a user on another site to be able to send them an email. So. Um, from the data side, it's <laughs> definitely interesting. And it's something that probably only exists in America, but it, it plays upon that psychology of the abandoned card and really pushing that, that consumer over the edge, over the fold on um, at least getting to understand your product a little bit more, which is most of the time what it takes. And it's similar to, you know, most of our audience is probably familiar with retargeting. Right. So you go to, you visit mm-hmm. a website and you can retarget through Google, through Facebook and other platforms. You might see an ad popping up on a website or on Facebook or whatever down the road. Very similar. It's except this is a, now a direct connection. And the nice thing is now the big difference is you own that email address. So with retargeting, if let's say we use Facebook for retargeting, they own the contact, right? So we have no idea who they're reaching out to unless yeah. they buy from us or unless they give us a contact. This is a, a source that's very different, operates on similar principles, but now you own that name that customer, as long as they stay in your, on your email list. So it can be very powerful. So I do encourage your audience that if you're not doing that already, uh, it's something to check out for sure for your business. If you already have existing sales, existing traffic on your website, you want to boost your conversion rates, you can reach out to us and talk more, of course, with any questions. So what's next, Kent, in your, in your growth plan? 
So retail is pretty crazy, you know, and if you could unlock the velocities at retail, it um, can change your business overnight. And so right now we're looking for a head of commercial that's ideally able to build that intersection between or will live within that intersection between marketing and sales. And that person also has to exist within that intersection of marketing and e-commerce, right? So now it's really just finding that alignment across all of our departments and through these like cross-departmental functions, uh, build velocity in the most effective way possible. Um, also, you know, like speaking of uh, retargeting people, I think an interesting thing that we've been testing out is uh, like looking at consumer insights in a much more novel way. So Amazon makes up a, a pretty big portion of our business, maybe like 50%. And, you know, we sell thousands and thousands of units on there um, every single month. But one thing that we have been able to do in the black boxes of, you know, social media, like meta ads, Google, or the black boxes of Amazon is figure out means of cross indexing addresses and customers in novel ways. And also with retail, like taking spins data or IRI data or Nielsen data and cross referencing all these regional um, touch points to be able to get a better understanding of our consumer so that ad efficiency becomes um, uh, a lot more fine-tuned in the best way possible. And we're not, you know, at the end of the day, we're not bugging people where our product isn't relevant. So really just playing around with all these things, getting an understanding of the customer, what they want, and then uh, meeting them where they are. I think it's funny that, you know, Facebook a couple of years ago made significant changes to try to remove some privacy that sort of or give privacy, I guess, right? Remove access yeah. to their data. At the end of the day, it makes it a worse experience for the customer, as you kind of alluded to. It's like, you know, we want to be, mar we're going to get marketed to no matter what, right? So I'd rather get marketed to stuff that is of interest to me that fits my, you know, who I am and what my interests are than kind of a scattershot where I'm getting you know, random things or whatever. And luckily a lot of that's still available. There's still ways around it to, you know, mm -hmm. to find that targeted consumer. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting. These platforms are trying to, as much as they can get rid of that yeah. which hurts their customer. Like I get it, you know, and I, like, I don't want my data just floating around everywhere. And then like people to, but, but it's, it is interesting from a consumer level where if I am surfing the internet or like online, I want a personalized experience like anything else in my life to a certain, to a certain degree, at least, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We enjoy marketing. If you market or sell to me something that I want, it's a positive process, right? The only time we have bad tastes in our mouth from selling or the marketing process is if it's something that's not a fit for us. So it's finding that intersection. You have to do it well. And that's where marketing is so beautiful. Like well done marketing is everyone enjoys it. Like it is a beautiful thing. And it's unfortunate because like back in the day, like marketing can also be used. Like marketing and propaganda are basically exactly the same thing, you know? So like it can be used in ways that are absolutely disruptive. And as long as you can find like, Again, I keep using this word, but relevancy points and create a product that actually benefits people <laughs> um, that and find them where they're looking for their needs, then it's, uh, I, I think it's all positive. Absolutely. Well, Ken, this has been a great interview. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you think could be helpful for our audience? Yeah. I mean, 
I think there's a lot of people that are starting up and they're trying to like invest and look into D2C and ads. And I think what's most in this, what we're figuring out and what really worked early on is in this day and age where you're inundated with so much junk, like across the board and you're on the doom scroll, how are you capturing people's attentions in the best way possible? And going back to the element of credibility, I do think like layers of showing yourself, your personality and like, uh, you know, for myself, for Nero, it's like, we're very founder forward. So Ryan and I are at the front lines of everything and we make sure that um, people understand who we are, where the product comes from. Um, I think those things are super, super important. And I, I think if, you know, you or your listeners look into anything we do, they'll find that a, a little bit of us is embedded into every content of Nero that's out there. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I think that's a, the beautiful part of uh, the evolving marketplace of D2C. Couldn't agree more. And I do encourage our audience, you can see some of the content that Kent and his team has put together at NeuroGum, N-E-U-R-O, gum.com. You can see their whole line of products, but also see a lot of the content and just see it's it's fantastic and test the process out. So if you get an email coming through automatically afterwards, it's not a perfect science. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but when it does, it can be very powerful. But more importantly, definitely check out the product. Kent, I'm amazed with what you've done and in relatively short period of time, this has been a fantastic interview. Great story you've shared. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks, man. Yeah, likewise. Did you know you can meet with a member of my team absolutely free for a 30-minute strategy consultation? We've launched and grown hundreds of products since 2007 and learned some of our strategies while growing OxyClean back in the Billy Mays days. We're here to help, so please go to harvestgrowth.com and set up a call if you'd like to discuss further. 